You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Well, welcome, everybody. Really encouraged by uh, our first welcome by Mons and Tiffany. They're so warm and awesome. Uh, incredible professional sisters in our ministry. Super grateful for them. And uh, man, great job, worship team. So encouraged by just the, the vibe, the quality, the sound, the spirit. Just lifted. I remember last year we all our worship was ready. We had to watch it online on our TVs and that was some good worship, but nothing quite like live worship together, right? It's so awesome to be together. Just want to thank the worship team for all the work they're doing. You know, today, um, really is a special day. We have with us today, uh, a, a family that Carrie and I have known for about 30 years. They, uh, went in the, they were actually became a part of our arts media sports ministry, now known as Turning Point, but they were baptized way back in the day. Uh, like 30 years ago, uh, roughly, I'm sure Marvin will share a little bit about it, but uh, we came across them when we were part of the south region of the L.A. church, and Carrie and I were serving there, and they went on staff, and and they uh, began to lead churches all over the place. They um, actually have led ministries or churches in, uh, they've led them in L.A., in Dallas, in Boston, in London, in Little Rock, Arkansas, and they're currently the church leaders in Guam, the U.S. territory of Guam. And uh, they're both professional counselors, uh, have their degrees in counseling, pastoral counseling, and certified counseling. Uh, and they're, they're just powerful, fun, energetic uh, individuals. Uh, they're just incredible examples of soldiers and just, yeah, he's jet-lagged a little, he said right now. They're definitely worldwide disciples of Jesus and have influenced so many people uh, all over the world. So what a, tre- a treat today in that we are doing a series on trust. We're doing two months of teachings from the Sermon on the Mount, and, and in general, our, our topic is trust. And Marvin's going to share, but he wrote a book entitled Entrustment. And so it fit well that uh, he was in town, actually with his family. I think they're on t- in town on vacation, but I scooped him up and said, hey, could you come and do our Sunday sermon? And, and obviously, Karen and I would just love to reconnect with people we've known over the years of ministry. So it's so awesome as well as Chuka's a great friend of his from the days in Dallas, and he was super excited to have him come. So today we're going to get to hear from the Lucas family. We're going to hear from Marvin and Sharice and their son and daughter, Holland and Segovia as well. So super grateful uh, to just have them with us. So I give it up uh, for Marvin Lucas. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, welcome. Energetic, huh? That's a good one. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, L.A. is kind of like a third home. I'm originally from England, hence the accent. Uh, we were in England last week. Uh, week before that, we were in Guam. I think we've covered like uh, 13,000 miles in the last 10 days. So if I get a little uh, kind of uh, elusive here, kind of just wander off, you know why. I don't even know what time zone I'm in. But uh, my name is Marvin Lucas, and... Um, uh, we're currently in Guam. We lead a church out in Guam, about 70 people. Uh, I also am a licensed counselor and uh, also an adjunct professor, and I clean bottles and uh, sweep up. I must be Jamaican. I have so many jobs. But uh, today is uh, a call about entrustment. Actually, I wrote a book on it, um, an IPI book. This is a book I wrote uh, actually back in uh, 2010. It's called uh, Baguette Moments, and um, 
Actually, the premise of the book is actually, uh, I've got an interesting past. I'll share that in a little bit. I grew up as an atheist. I never went to church. I uh, never read the Bible until I was 25. Um, my mom is uh, uh, white English. My dad is African-American. And uh, I was born in the 60s. Interesting time uh, where both of our families disowned us. And uh, that caused a lot of fracture in our family. And a lot of uh, tension over the years, but uh, you know God prevails, and uh, my 99-year-old grandmother loves me. I think I'm her favorite. That's what she tells me. I believe her. But uh, when you look, when you think of entrustment, what is what does it mean to be entrusted? The definition of that is to deliver something in trust, to bestow a trust on, or to commit. To another with confidence. Um, another definition here is a firm belief in something or someone for which there is no proof. So that means I, I, when you trust somebody, there's like three three different factors here. We know what mistrust is. That's easy, isn't it? You know, as you get older, it's almost second nature. You know, we're kind of a little jaded. We've been burnt before. It's like, you have that kind of look. Like, the eye rays, really? You know, and then you have trust. Trust is very mutual. I'll trust you. I will will give to you as long as you give to me. It's a two-way street. But entrustment is when you actually trust somebody and there's no merit to do that. And that's very tough to do, especially when you've been hurt or or loving somebody again when they've already hurt you, trusting them again when they've already hurt you. That is just a greater calling of oneself emotionally, spiritually, mentally. And this is what we're going to talk about today. There is a scripture in uh, Mark chapter 25. Uh, It came up on the screen. Uh, you can go there, uh, verse 14 through 20. And we know this. This is the parable of the talents. And talents is gold. And it says here in verse uh, 14, it says, You see, the kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey. So this parable is about the kingdom of God. It's about what what is happening here today. We're participating in the kingdom of God. Okay? So th- this kind of conduct... Anytime when I see a parable about the kingdom of God, it's talking about our conduct, our behavior. How we interact with each other. How we view God. And it says, you see, the kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey. He calls his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another still one talent, each according to their own ability. Then he went on his journey. The servant who had received five talents immediately put them to work and gained five more talents. In the same way, the servant that had two two talents gained two more. But the servant who had received one talent went on his way, dug a hole in the ground, and hid, it, hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the, those servants came and settled his account with them. The servant who had received five talents came and brought five more talents. He said, Master, 
you, what's the next word there? Entrusted. He just didn't give it to him. He entrusted it to him. We, as brothers and sisters of Christ, have been entrusted with so much. We have a responsibility. We just, we're just not here just to show up and squander what God is giving us. It's more than just sitting there. It's more than just what I call churchianity. It's an investment. It's a responsibility. It's an honor to be in the kingdom of God. It is a precious thing. It is gold. It's the highest standard. That is what we're participating in today. That is what you're a part of today in the kingdom of God. Actually, as I'm saying this, I'm actually getting goose pimples. Is that an English word, goose pimples? Gooseies? I've got my audience over here. I've won the audience. They didn't get what I said before, but gooseies? I love this guy. Thank you. And that what J-Lo says, gooseies? I got goosey. There you go. I'm trying to relate. I, I, I got you now? Thank you. They woke up. They're like, this old Englishman. But what, what are you doing with your talents? We all have been given something in the kingdom of God. You may have one. You may have two. You may have five. You may have ten. But did you just receive it and squander it, bury it? Or are you, are you understanding what you've been and have the privilege of receiving an entrustment of God? And we know the story. Obviously, the one guy that got the, got the, uh, the one talent that buried it and squandered it, he says, throw that worthless servant into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the question I have for you today is how are you doing? How are you doing with what God has given you? A little or a lot. It doesn't matter what it is, but God expects more. God expects us to multiply. I think one of the most valuable things that we've been given is the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, We have not received the spirit of the world. Can I get an amen to that? There's a lot going on in this world. And we're above it. As in the kingdom of God, we're above it. God gives us the, 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 the ability to be above it. It says, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. When you got baptized and you are the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that was given to you freely, regardless of your race, color, whatever. But it was given to you freely, and you were entrusted with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That is living in every baptized disciple. That's pretty cool. That's living in me. That's living in you. What, what could we do with that? You've been entrusted You've been entrusted to do greatness, great things.
You've got to believe it's inside of you. I've been in this journey 30 years. And I'll share some stories in a little bit about the highs and lows of it. But I don't know, sometimes, even a couple of years ago, my wife and I were like, can we do this ministry stuff anymore? Can we do the missions anymore? And we were that, that close to quitting. But someone inside of me said, keep on going. I think that was the Holy Spirit. It's only by God's grace I'm standing here today. It's only by God's grace. I talked about the steps of entrustment. Um, there's three steps, mistrust, trust, and entrustment. As I said, entrustment really has no, when there's no proof, there's no reason to trust somebody, but you do it. I'm going to have my wife come on up, and she's going to share a little bit about, um, just about entrustment and trust in her own life. Come on, give her a round of applause. She's a wonderful lady. A little bit louder. Come on. Come on. Yes. Louder. They love you, honey. They love you. This guy right here. Okay. Um, well, I wanted to share about like two particular areas of where I really had to learn to trust. And honestly, it was only through God because on paper there was no reason why I should trust. Firstly, was with my father, my paternal father. Um, when I was two years old, he uh, was removed from my life. He's in New York, and my mom uh, had raised me out here in California. So though I was born in New York, I was raised in L.A., so I really do consider myself an L.A. girl. And, uh, yep, I do, I do. And um, so what happened was he wasn't in my life after age two. And he never phoned. He never, you know, came for birthdays or cards or Christmases or Easter's. None of the special things that a child would hope their father would be part of was he part of. So it was by age 18, I still wasn't a disciple yet. I'd become a disciple at 19 that I decided, right, I want to go and meet this guy that is my father. Because my mother, she's this Puerto Rican, fuller figure woman. She speaks Spanish fluently and she'd be listening to salsa music in the house while she's cleaning. And I just felt like a big alien. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. In the, in the spirit. All right. Sorry. So good for you. It was good. All right. I got it out. Yeah. So <laughs> 30 years of bliss right here. This guy. So what happened was um I was like, okay, I didn't I didn't look like my mom either. And so I thought, right, let me go and find this guy that is my father. And oh, my gosh, wouldn't you know what? I am the spitting image of my father. Like if I ever wanted to know what I would look like as a man, it is him. Oh, holy cow. No denying paternity there. So I had a lot of resentment towards him, and he tried to act like everything was just fine and copacetic and just to sweep everything under the, the rug and just act like, okay, I'm dad and you're daughter now, so and here's your brother, and, oh, and I'm like, it's your life? Excuse me? That ship has passed, homie. No, no, no. I mean, I was just so bitter. Literally, I, I, I think I even told him in his face because I was just trying to hurt him the way I felt hurt because he wasn't in my life. I said, no, you're just my sperm donor. I was that bitter, that hurt. Talk about daddy issues. Yeah, had them. So 
put that one to the side. I'll come back to it in a minute. The other one was when I was studying to become a true Christian. I was dating this fella. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, this one. And uh, I met him when I was 18. He was um, 24. We had met at a gym. He was a fitness instructor. So it wasn't even love at first sight. Oh, it, it's still in there, sweetie. It's in there. It's in there. So we were dating and, um, you know, we're doing what the world says do. And especially in L.A. And he was, you know, my black Ken and I was his black Barbie and we were running things. And um, that's just what you did, you know, in our prime and, you know, being immoral and doing what you do. So uh, what had happened was I had been reached out to when I was doing some modeling out here. And it was through a disciple that was part of our former AMS ministry. That's now our turning point ministry, Lisa Agbalaya. And the funny thing is, she looked exactly like me, like God knew exactly who to put in my path. He's like, I tell you what, I'm going to grab you from the modeling industry. I'm going to put your twin in and she's going to help you to come to me. (laughs) And that's literally what happened. But as I was studying the Bible, me and this lovely man were dating, and he was an atheist at the time. And I was a Christian by uh, by title, not lifestyle. And I know you know what I'm talking about. So as I continue to study the Bible and realizing that, uh-oh, I need to either apply what this thing says or stop calling myself a Christian, one of the other things that came up was not being yoked, if you would, with an unbeliever. And him being an atheist, well, there's a conflict. That's a problem. And uh, that was really hard. So talk about my cost for becoming a Christian. It was this one because I wanted to marry him. Hey. I was ready to go. Come on. So um, anyway, so God, you know, was really testing me. And what came out as he started studying the Bible, I'd study the Bible in two weeks. Amen. Came to Christ. He studied the Bible in one week. One week. One week. And I came to Christ. But one of the things that came out in his studies was the fact that one of the things he needed to repent of was his dishonesty towards me. Because oh, in our dating relationship, yeah, in the world was that he had cheated on me with three other women. And here I was being all monogamous, you know, thinking he was too. Not so much. But amen. God cleansed that. Cleansed me. Cleansed us. Okay. Because what we were building was, as I always say to my friend over there, a hot mess express. So he tore that down and built up what he wanted. And I'm so grateful for that. But I was able to forgive him. It was hard because my pride was hurt. I'm like, you cheated on all of this? Excuse me? I'm sorry. Woo! All this fabulous Please forgive me. Oh, this out of, you know, pride alone did I not want to forgive him. But amen, God had forgiven me. And the scriptures are really clear about, hey, if you don't forgive others, you yourself won't be forgiven. And I had quite a bit of sin that I had accumulated. So. I needed that forgiveness. And, you know, whether he cheated on me with three girls, God saw it as sin, whether we were just being immoral mutually or he had three more to the party. Sin was sin. It didn't matter. We were all in sin. So I was able to forgive him so much so that I've never brought it up to him in our marriage, you know, in a time of anger. Well, he married time. He cheated on me three women. And ho, ho. No, never. Not once. And that's only because of God healing those broken places in me. And because I trust God, I'm able to trust him. Back to my father to conclude. So because he helped my heart and to forgive different things that I needed to forgive in my heart, my physical father being one, I decided to pursue the relationship and allow him to be back in my life. And it's, you know, to this day, it's a, it's an interesting uh, relationship that we share. We're still learning each other. I've had a, 
um, assert a lot of boundaries. Um, but I know it's only God that has allowed me to have him back in my life when the world says, oh, no, you have every reason to keep him at, you know, arm's length. It is only God that has helped me to trust him again. So thank you. Uh, I'm going to hear that later. Well, also, uh, thanks, hon. I mean, that is so true. I mean, in 30 years, she's never brought that up. And uh, that was a deep hurt. And it just kind of shows you when you entrust yourself to Christ. And my wife said, I trusted God. And then I was able to give trust. And, and that's the healing power of God. Um, let's move on here. Uh, Jesus was the entruster. He entrusted. Um, there's a scripture in Luke chapter 6, 12 through 16. Uh, actually, I put this in my book. Um, this is one of those stages Jesus went out to the mountainside uh, to pray. He spent the night praying to God. And when, so Jesus spent all night praying, okay? And then obviously the morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. So you've got to ask yourself, what was Jesus praying about all night? About the selection of his apostles. Now, I don't know about you. If you're praying for something, this is Jesus, the Son of God. If Jesus is praying all night, it's not a quick prayer. This is prayer for several hours. Praying to his Father. And I truly believe that the reason why Jesus was praying all night is because he was wrestling with God's selection of the apostles. Think about that. And it says uh, the apostle Simon, who was named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Then you ask yourself, what kind of people did 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 God select? And I honestly, you also got to realize there were Gentiles that had more faith than the apostles. The Samaritan woman had more faith than the apostles. Even the centurion, he said, you had great faith because Jesus didn't have to go and heal his daughter. He, he said, just say the word. There were a lot more qualified people out there. And I believe that Jesus was praying all night and saying, God, these people, <laughs> these. Well, let's just look at their re resume. You have Peter. He, he, he denied him and he was impulsive. You have John and James that were anger issues and racist. You had Matthew, a tax collector, Simon, an assassin, Ju Judas, ultimate betrayal of Jesus and the rest were very insignificant or no, and that many words in the Bible. They were that insignificant. Some of them had two words. Yes, Lord. <laughs> what did Bartholomew do? Show me in the scriptures. What was his purpose? 
He had nothing profound in three years. What a resume. God selected these people. God did. And in the end, all of them left him. All of them. I don't think this was Jesus' first choice. But God did it to to give us hope. Because I see me in that. I look at myself. I grew up a pagan, as my wife talked about. I grew up in Section 8 housing. I cheated on pretty much every girlfriend up until Cherise. It's amazing that I can be faithful to one woman for 30 years. That is glory to God. Now, you can give a round of applause for that. Louder! I had alcohol issues. I started drinking when I was about 16. It was not, actually, it wasn't a day, probably from 16 to 25, that I couldn't go without having a drink. I've also been homeless. I've been on the streets. Actually begging for food. Yeah, this is it. I was violent. I had no education. I didn't actually get my first degree until I was in my 40s. Talk about unschooled and ordinary. And one of the places I'm from, I'm from Norwich, England. Nobody knows where that is, do you? You know where London is, don't you? I know where that is. There's more to England than London, I'm sorry to tell you. But a place called Norwich... And its reputation, even in England, it's so, it's so isolated in England that they honestly feel that there's interbreeding going on there. And I've heard jokes. We were in Arkansas and we, you remember Segovia? We were in Arkansas and I, uh, there was another, we were actually getting another COVID test. I've had nine COVID tests in the last year. Not like I needed them. I needed them to travel, but it's a whole nother conversation. And at one of the uh, security guards, I don't know if he was a policeman or whatever, was from uh, a different part of England. And, and I told him, I said, I'm from Norwich. He said, uh, he said, yeah, you guys kind of marry your cousins there, don't you? He said, do you have, oh, he said, oh, you got five fingers on your hands. He said, a lot of times they have these kind of deficient, you know, because you're in a breeding and you're kind of like these kind of, uh, you know, Kind of mutants. I'm, I'm not joking. I mean, that's the place I'm from. You know? That's the person I am. But God will use people like me. I was, I'm, I'm happy that through all that, as I said, I've been faithfully married. I have two disciple children. <clears throat> My son there, Holland. My daughter Segovia will be sharing a poem in a little bit. And God has graced me with 30 years of missions and ministry, which is just amazing. God has entrusted me with gold, which is salvation. And ultimately, I find that so precious because of God's grace. It's not me. I'm just a boy from Norwich. That's how they say that. If you're a locust here, Norwich. And you put Norwich boy. Marriage. I've lost the accent, unfortunately. 
but that's where I'm from. I'm a nobody. I'm like one of the apostles. Maybe Jesus spent all night praying for me. <laughs> Gives you hope. I'm 55 and I've not quit. I'm 55 and we're still going. You know, in 2010, we sold everything to go back to my hometown. We sold everything. Went over there with boxes. I don't know if you see these pictures. Are the pictures up? Or are we? Oh, can you see? The... Oh, there you go. Keep on going forward. There's some pictures. This is a garage sale in back in 2010. This is when we sold everything to go to uh, England, my hometown. That was a self-funded mission. Um, there was no funding from churches. We had a little bit from London. That's about it. Go to the next one. This is us getting off London Heathrow. Actually, Segovia, stand on up, and Holland, stand on up. This is where they are now. This is 10 years earlier. Look at them. You got an ah. And again, ah. Ah. Beautiful. Brings a tear to my eye. This is the luggage. This is all we had. Even the children back then, we, on their, in their big suitcases, we, they, had, they literally had probably a foot by two feet. And they had a games room, and we said, this is all you can bring. Whatever toys you can fit in that spot, that is what you can bring. They learned sacrifice at a young age. They learned how not to be materialistic at a young age. Changed their lives. Go to the next slide. This is a house. We had three house churches. God really moved there. It was, uh, you know, God really worked. Uh, we had three house churches there. We saw 20, 30 people come to faith. In about a year or so, and there's a church there today, 10 years later, that wasn't a church there before. As we just visited there last week. This is so encouraging, you know. Uh, and then after that, we went to Little Rock. And Little Rock was a, I don't know, there's just times in your life where you just hit a brick wall. And Little Rock was a brick wall for us. I think even as a family, we're just like, you know, Little Rock. And it's just kind of like a, hmm. It was tough. It's so funny. I would rather go and sell everything and go abroad somewhere than to have that experience that we had for six years. It wrung me out. As I said, two years ago, me and my wife were even questioning, should we even continue doing this? I mean, my wife was crying. I was, I'm like, God, what do you want us to do? You have that Norwich experience and then you, and you hit it, hit this wall. Then the Guam church opportunity came up about close to two years ago. And actually, I thought it was a joke. I, I talked to my wife and I'm like, I'm thinking about because, as I said, I have a counseling degree and I was I was about to go into the uh, counseling. I could literally go in and, and make a decent living counseling. I'm a, I'm a professional licensed counselor. And uh, and. And we only, we only applied for one job. And it was a joke. I came at my wife and I said, hey, there's someone on Disciples Today about Guam. I don't even know if it's been up there for several months. I said, hey, how about Guam? And she was like, where's that? Uh, somewhere in the Pacific. Is that far enough? <laughs> Want to get away? <laughs> yeah, 8,000 miles from Little Rock, hon. Okay. <laughs> We applied to one job. 
And, uh, and I was empty, be honest with you. I was ready to go for the counseling practice. I was empty spiritually. I really was. I was gutted. I was just, I had, I, I, yeah. It was 7,000 miles away. They had no leaders for like three years. They had several leaders there. It was a fractured church. They, they've had several people go in there and try to do unity counseling. They had David Young go in there. They've had uh, Steve Satan give information. And actually, the, 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 the church there has a saying. I've heard this. Ministers go there to die. That is what. Yes, I'm still alive. Thank you very much. Ministers, that's a quote I heard. Ministers go there to die. And on top of that, we had COVID. The church had only meet, meet once in 15 months. We had to go through 14 days quarantine, six COVID tests. And when I say 14 days quarantine, they put you in a state, uh, um, uh, controlled hotel. You cannot leave the room for 14 days and they bring you three meals a day and the corridors are patrolled by National Guard. And I want to go to Guam. I'm 55 years old. I'm hurt and I'm tired. But God, I entrusted in God that he was calling us to help this ministry. It makes no sense. It made no sense. But that's when entrustment comes. It makes no sense. This is a Mother Teresa quote. He says, I know God won't give me anything that I can't handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. And that's how I felt. God, give me a break. I'm tired. I'm old. I should be retiring. Where's my comfortable chair? I should be setting up for my retirement. But God's saying, no, I'm not finished with you. I'm not finished with you. If you go to the Lucas 2020 slide, this is us at the Guam airport with suitcases again. That's all we brought. Five suitcases and some boxes. We sold everything again at 55. 20, 22 hours, 24 hours flight. Even with, this is during COVID. They, they'd stop flights. So they would like, it was like four flights together. This is the Guam church. Next slide. We're the only Afrocentric people in the whole church. We're like a foot above everybody else. And my wife's here. <laughs> Next slide. You know what God has done? In the last three months, we've seen seven people baptized and a restoration. In a church of 70, during COVID, we've only met as a whole church like three times in the last almost 18 months. I don't know what it is. I don't know what. But sometimes when you entrust to God and you do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, and God does the rest. What is God calling you to do? Go to the next slide. This is, this is Annabelle and Tom's sunset baptism as the sun is going down. Husband baptizing the wife. It's a beautiful thing. I'm going to have my wife, uh, not my wife, 
My wife's over there. My daughter. Freudian slip. Segovia, come up. She's going to read a poem about renewal. And after this, we'll go to communion. So give it up to my daughter. She's a student at Tufts University in Boston. So uh, this is a poem that she wrote herself. Being renewed by Christ. When I think of the word renewed, I often think it lives in the background of the object it's describing. Being renewed is usually a synonym for a more popular and precise biblical word, like to be refreshed, to restore, to repent, to redeem. But renewed is different. Renewal being vague makes it more versatile. I didn't realize how much I overlooked such a silently powerful word. Renewal in the Bible is a little different than renewal in the world. Renewed in the biblical context inspires perseverance, often equated to flying on the the wings of eagles and renewing diminished strength. True renewal is usually first recognized when we realize we can't do this on our own. When we're so bogged down by the worries, riches, and pleasures of the world and with an ever-changing standard and the chronic emptiness that comes from trying to find contentment in a world that's not happy with itself. And after constantly pushing and pushing and realizing we're not getting anywhere, that can be the starting point of true spiritual renewal. For years, I bought into fake renewal. Satan likes to confuse numbness with stillness, peace with avoidance, and distraction with communion. Peace doesn't only happen on the fronts of vacation pamphlets. I realized as a Christian, renewal isn't based off of the change of a circumstance, but it's finding peace in the chaos. Not bending to the will of the world, but being rooted in God's promises to be so confident in God that Christ can overcome all storms in that Our roots will never forsake us, but they'll actually be the thing to save us. Because daily renewal is promised, but a life free of trials is not. And even after shortcoming after shortcoming, God is still the living water. Even after years of digging our own broken cisterns, Jesus' blood breathes life back into this broken body. He renews me to his glory, and sometimes I feel like I can't even let myself take the gift. Can it really be that easy? Because I feel so undeserving, but God said that I was worthy. I don't deserve a do-over. I don't deserve a second chance. I don't deserve to be blameless, but God's mercy is new every morning. And every morning the promise is the same, but do I believe it? That God views me differently, that everything is white clean. You see, I am a guilty conscience accused by nature, so I'm always waiting for the punchline. I'm always waiting to hear psych. Maybe I think I'm in a Cinderella story where the clock strikes 12 and the renewal will end, and I'll be left guilty, disoriented, and alone. I used to always think that being renewed was a mission to be accomplished and not a lifelong war. I viewed renewal as a stagnant instead of a dynamic force that truly transformed A war to find inner peace that transcends all understanding, because in every life stage, there will always be a war of what is trying to get your attention, a never-ending battle of what you find your confidence in, who or what renews you every morning. But ultimately, the Lord's renewal, refreshment, revival is the an unlimited power source that can tear down and rebuild cities, lives, cultures, and the world around us by the strength of a word. 
Being renewed is a gift but from God. To start over every day, to live a blameless life that glorifies him. Being renewed is powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Being renewed is powerful. God is into renewal. God is into entrustment. You know, what motivates uh, out of uh, the Sermon on the Mount is this, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. I believe our family is, believes the, the grace and mercy of God. As I said, I'm from Norwich. I don't know why I'm here. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot more talented, gifted people in this world. But, you know, God has chose me. But I've been entrusted with a talent, with a gold. You've been entrusted. And I have a question for you today. <clears throat> we have a five-minute reflection, is that correct, and discussion? I want you to discuss one area or person in your life, and you don't have to name names, keep it confidential, in your life that you need to entrust yourself to, to God with. That means... Like my wife, when it came to her father, she had to really dig deep and go places only with God to to reconcile that relationship. Sometimes there may be fears, maybe conf- uh, conflict resolution, forgiveness. Sometimes you just need to forgive yourself. That may be where you need to entrust God and, and trust God that he's truly forgiven you. Like my wife, she forgave me. Because of my iniquities and, and my, 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 my behavior. But she only had to go to God to do that. So do you understand that, your question? And I believe the Holy Spirit will put on your hearts exactly what you need to talk about as we have this discussion. Do I pray now? Afterwards. So let's have the discussion. Okay. All right, guys. Sandler, we had some great discussions there. I'm going to pray for communion, um, and we can continue the discussions in fellowship or later on this week. So let's bow our heads in prayer. That'd be great. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you so much just for this time. Uh, it's great to just hear the the buzz of fellowship and just people uh, just uh, discussing um, about your love for them and and uh, your your dreams and plans and aspirations. And uh, thank you, God, that we can uh, dream. Even what my, uh, my daughter said about renewal, we can be renewed every morning. Um, we can have, we can be renewed now. You know, your your blood is your blood flows. Your blood has been flowing since the cross, and it can cleanse us. It can cleanse us of anything. Uh, but Satan wants us to believe that there's some sins that can never be cleansed, that will be permanently stained, and that is a lie. God help us to understand the power of the blood the power power of uh, the cross, the power of redemption. God, we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. God, thank you so much just for this time of reflection and uh, sharing one, one another's thoughts. And I just pray for the confession. The Bible says where, where, uh, where the righteous pray uh, that we can be healed. And I just pray that this is a prayer of healing, a prayer of renewal, a prayer of redemption. 
and ultimately the prayer of the ultimate sacrifice of your son. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.